Hi, everybody. My name is Brad Behrens. I am the Editor-in-Chief here at the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Welcome to IAB There, our daily live stream where we connect the digital advertising ecosystem. Today's topic, it is Wednesday, June 17th. Our topic today is meetings. Uh, Peter Drucker in 1954 famously said that which gets measured gets managed. But are we measuring our meetings? Are we measuring how many times a day we're having conversations just like this one on Zoom? and what that's doing to us both positively and negatively. Our guest is Eric Porez, the founder and CEO of Meeting Science. Eric is not only uh, the CEO and entrepreneur behind this exciting new technology, he also is a long-standing stalwart in the ad tech industry. He, I first met him when he was a media strategist. He's later been both an entrepreneur, an ad tech CMO, and now back to being an entrepreneur. We're going to ask you to uh, share your questions that you might have with Eric, and the way to do that is on Twitter using the hashtag IABTHERE, all caps, one word. Let's bring Eric into the stream. Once again, that Twitter hashtag is IABTHERE, all caps, one word. Eric Porres, welcome to IABTHERE. Brad Barrens, thank you for having me. So uh, let's talk about... Uh, what the heck is meeting science? What uh, what what was the imp what is it, and what was the impetus that caused you to create it? Uh, great question, Brad. So so I, I I tell people if I can do it in five words or less, it's uh, if Fitbit and Qualtrics had a baby. Well, maybe a little more than five words, but if Fitbit and Qualtrics had a baby and went to business school, uh, that their their progeny may have been may have created uh, meeting science, and and the idea is that. It's no, it's no, we're no stranger to the fact that meetings are, are part of our daily lives. In fact, there are approximately 55 million meetings a day. They cost in, in a year $1.4 trillion. Uh, the average person, other than sleep, the second highest tax on your time are the number of meetings you have and the amount of time you spend in meetings. And if you were to ask any, any CEO participating today or any CEO listening or any, anyone in, in the, in the, in the universe listening today, I would, I would ask them, what did you spend on meetings last week? What did you spend on leading meetings last month, last year? And there's generally a long pause because nobody knows the answer because it generally is anecdotal, but it's not data-driven. And of course, you know, us, those of us who've, who've grown up in, in ad techery or MarTech, take your pick, uh, generally like to make, you know, data-driven decisions as opposed to uh, do it from a gut. So, um, so when I think about meeting science, I think about the ability to, it's, it's, not that we, it's not that we want to eliminate all meetings. We just want to eliminate the really bad ones. Uh, and given that 89% of people are unsatisfied with the meetings they attend, there's a lot of headroom there. <laughs> there there's a lot for us uh, as, an, as a society that we can improve. So, but let's dig in onto the, the what is it a little bit more. Sure. Um, so it's something that plugs into... A, an organization's calendar and tracks who's meeting with whom internally and externally, uh, how often people are meeting. What else? What else? What other data are you grabbing in media in meeting science? That, no, yeah, uh, good, 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 good question, Brad. So, so it's a, it's a sim simple, light, very lightweight application. We connect right now to uh, Google Calendar with with Microsoft coming soon. Uh, and we started with Google Calendar because their API was was well formed and easy easier to work with. And when someone authenticates with Meeting Science, which is currently free for the summer because we think it's really important for people to get a handle on this before before everyone's back to school, 
what we what we look for is I, I think about you, Brad, as a you can be an attendee, you can be a meeting host, and and or you can also be part of a uh, you, you can also be part of a company. So as an attendee, what's important for me to know is what do, what do I know about my it's kind of like my Fitbit for um, if I think about no, oh, my, my dog has decided to join uh, join the we, join the meeting. We today. like dogs. Uh, so, so you, you have to think about it like the, the very first time, uh, you ever, you ever tracked how many steps you took or what your pace was when you were running before you, before you were, had any of that information, you were kind of doing it by gut. You were doing it by feel, uh, without, without any data support it, to support it. So for attendees, we want to give them that sense of, oh my God, I am in 37% of my time is stuck in meetings. What do I do about it? Uh, in the case of an organizer, we start to bring in from an organizer's perspective, what was the cost as well as the value and possibly the impact of those meetings, right? So again, cost is anecdotal uh, and we've developed an algorithm that assigns a randomized salary to every person who authenticates such that we can make an estimated cost of a meeting. Okay, so now I know how much time it took. I know, I know how much it costs, but what was the impact? So the other thing we built, and this is where I said that Fit, Fitbits and Qualtrics had a baby, is we've, we've created a feedback mechanism, which is super simple in the application, in Slack, as well as an email, say, all right, hey, hey, Brad, how productive was that meeting you just had with Eric? And we do it both quantitatively and we do it qualitatively. And those qualitative attributes of what make a meeting great and what make a meeting terrible, uh, we have there's science behind each one of those attributes uh, to help you as an organizer do a better job uh, hosting and, and, uh, and taking the time of other people <laughs> in the future. And then, so, so that makes sense. It does make sense. How I guess I want to know whether or not it's easy to fill out this feedback loop. It's there because you know on the on the one hand there's the little smiley faces that are in the the exit door to airport bathrooms. You know where yep. it's like you know happy, neutral, sad. Uh, mm -hmm. And then there's also the please. You know every time I interact with any vendor ever, I then get please fill out this survey. And that's just a homework assignment I didn't sign up for. So where's your feedback loop in the middle of all of this? Uh, so I'd say it's more toward the, uh, and then the company that, that does the ones in the airports back when we used to go to airports is a company based out of Norway called the happy or not company. Uh, we, so we do do it on a four point scale because it's very easy for someone to pick the middle. Uh, so, and we actually use smiley faces. Uh, so <laughs> if, if you provide nothing other than quantitative feedback, that is immeasurably better than the feedback you had on the meeting seconds prior, which was nothing. Uh, and then, and then with each of those smiley faces, we've organized, we've structured the feedback into, again, what makes a meeting great? What makes a meeting terrible? So what makes a meeting great? And I worked with another PhD, who's not you, unfortunately, uh, but a gentleman by the name of Joseph Allen, uh, who is the world's foremost expert on the science of meetings. Uh, he works at the University of Utah and runs the Center for Meeting Effectiveness uh, out, of, out of that university. And so we identified Six attributes that make a meeting great. Clear purpose, clear next steps, active participation, was the organizer prepared, were the right attendees in the room, and did it end early? And then what makes a meeting terrible? Well, hmm. most of the time, what makes a meeting terrible is that it lacked purpose, there were unclear next steps, it started late, the organizer was unprepared, it ended late, there may have been technical problems, and also passive participation. So if we think about passive participation now in the realm of Zoom, I think all of us have encountered these shared Zoom experiences with that Brady Bunch-like uh, set of people. Well, number one, 
Nine people is too many in a a meeting. Meetings are generally best defined as those that are between five and seven people, no more. Uh, But then number two, how many of those people are truly active participants in, in any meeting or are they passive observationists? And so it's very easy for us to be able to, it's very easy for us to be able to quantify that a priori of having any feedback, but it's even more important and it becomes more salient in terms of what kind of recommendations we can provide uh, with that feedback. And I would, I would add that that feedback right now, Brad, is at about, about 20%. So right now, about 20% of, uh, of feedback requests are being uh, responded to in some way, shape or form. Uh, with more, uh, with and we're doing some other, we're instrumenting some other things to make it um, to to improve that improve that feedback response. So, so first of all, for the audience, uh, I think that everybody watching this is probably interested in uh, in meetings because you know Zoom fatigue is this sort of one of the hot new terms that people are hearing about. We are going to shortly be building a bridge into sort of the advertising questions uh, because I think one of the things that's important to, and why I wanted to talk with Eric is if advertising is about capturing people's attention and people's attention is sort of flowing into this new container, which is uh, conversations like this one, then people who are in the advertising business need to be thinking about this. But but let's just dig in on what are you learning? You, you've rolled this out, you've got users. Uh, what are the big takeaways that you, at a high level? And then the sure. sort of follow-up question is gonna be about uh, sort of the coronavirus acceleration uh, effect. But let's just talk about what what do you start with? No, no, great, great question, Brad. So um, one of the surprising things, so when, when we when we meet, when we gather, uh, a, a lot of time, or I was to say not enough time is spent on the why we gather. And so we think about uh, ideal meeting structure from the perspective of a meeting that has a clear purpose, a clear goal, and then ideally a clear agenda. And so hot off the presses, for instance, we, uh, we analyzed uh, from January through, January through May, we looked at 15,905 meetings that had two or more people in it. And uh, I guess I would, I would ask you, Brad, to guesstimate what percentage of those meetings had an agenda. Fifteen percent is maybe uh, maybe I'm uh, being too pessimistic. Fifteen uh, percent would be wildly optimistic because the no. reality is that <laughs> only um, only five point so eight hundred eighty six of them had an agenda. So five point five seven percent. So that means nineteen out of every twenty meetings have no agenda. And so if you are going to be a steward of again steward of someone's time, you as an organizer have a, uh, should make a conscious commitment to say, okay, what, what are we actually meeting for? And then that also ties to this notion of purpose and goal, because if you can't write a clear purpose statement for that meeting, maybe you shouldn't have it. If you don't have a specific goal or a specific outcome you're trying to achieve, just like advertising, what is it? What, or, so if I think about purpose, almost like I think of a brand's mission statement, uh, and I think of a goal as a call to action. If you don't have a mission statement and some kind of call to action, then, then the rest really doesn't matter. Uh, and so what we're finding is that, again, if you look in any business school, any undergrad, there's no undergraduate school on how to run an effective meeting. There's mm. almost no business school that has any class or course on it. Uh, Andy Grove wrote about it. I have it in my book here, High Output Management. He thought it was so freaking important um, to have uh, to be dedicated an entire book 
that basically had to run an effective meeting. Uh, and there are others that are out there as well. Uh, my, my point is that you know, meetings, meetings tend to happen because of uh, inertia. And again, and, and, and this, there's so many different examples of, of where, meetings go, uh, where meetings go wrong. But probably the biggest observation, Brad, back to your question, was that only 5.5% of meetings uh, had, had an agenda. Uh, that was a shocker, shocker to us. We were we were clearly expecting, we were anticipating that that number to be uh, even higher than the number that you had uh, that you had estimated. So, a couple questions. One is, you have you're gathering data, you're gathering intelligence, and then you're you're able to share that intelligence back to the organization. What are they supposed to do with it? Like, how do they operationalize and execute and implement the insights that meeting science is deriving? Yep, good question. So, uh, so they do that in in one of three or four ways. One, one way is uh, we're we're presenting to uh, members now uh, a weekly meeting fitness report, uh, and that meeting fitness report tells you, hey, here's what you did in the last week, right? Here's how much time you spent in meetings. Here's what the cost was of the meetings you uh, you organized, and also what was the impact, right? So that rating, that anonymous rating data is coming back and is being shared with you. And, and you have the ability to rate yourself. And I like to say that people who don't rate themselves is kind of like going for a run without checking your pace. Um, so, and you can rate yourself and then you can look at how you rated your own meetings in comparison to how those who attended those meetings rated you. And again, this is not to call people out for bad behavior. I have a friend who runs an agency right now and her goal of, deploying meeting science across her organization is she's like, she said, look, Eric, I, I, in general, I think I hire pretty good people, but I know we're not great at necessarily at, at meeting management because it's not necessarily a skill that anybody particularly innately has. So I want to know who is falling down so that I can get them training. So, so to your point in terms of how to operationalize it, when you see the disparity or the disconnect between how an organizer perceives themselves and how attendees perceive the meeting, number one. Uh, number two, and, and then when you actually start to look at those attributes of the meeting, so hey, guess what? That meeting had lacked, there was a lot of uh, passive participation as, as an example. Passive participation is a big one. Uh, and so what does that mean? That either means, well, that means very quickly that you can cut down on the number of people potentially in that meeting, or that you have to get that person specific coaching skills to make sure that they're involving everyone in the room as part of the, or in the Zoom, <laughs> in the room in the Zoom as, as part, of the, part of the discussion. It's very easy to fall into the habits we've, we've built over decades of being in meetings and management and working uh, to, fall, to fall back on those bad habits. And so our goal is to help people get into, to start making some, some of that better, better habitual transition. So the meeting fitness report is number one. Uh, and then there, and then there are other ways that we're pushing. There are other ways that we can push insights into people's brains uh, through the application. And so, I mean, let's just talk. Let's role play for a moment here, which is, I think, clearly, if you're identifying meetings that don't have agendas, then one thing that people can do very, very quickly is start to insist on having agendas. I, for me, I always have four questions that I want to have on every Outlook meeting request. You know, what is this meeting about? Uh, who owns the meeting? Uh, mm -hmm. What? Uh, why are we? Why are we having it? So, what are we having? What's it about? It's more like topical. Why are we having it? What's the action item? What's the thing we're trying to move forward? And finally, right. what's the dream outcome of the meeting? Mm -hmm. 
uh, you know, those are things that, that I try to have in the meeting requests because uh, things tend to be more focused that way. Um, is that the sort of short term that you're talking about, which is just having agendas? And then I have a follow-up question as well. Um, sure. No, so so good question. So so la just last week, we launched a, uh, a Chrome extension, right? Because again, again, we work with Google at the moment. So it was, it's, uh, so the Chrome extension is, I again, worked with uh, Dr. Joseph Allen, and we identified 32, uh, 32 scientifically backed meeting agenda templates across mm -hmm. nine different meeting types, uh, such that within, within one click, someone can create a meeting if they're organizing a meeting with, we encourage them to write a clear purpose statement, and we encourage them to write a clear goal. And then from an agenda perspective, again, they have a they have a 32 different agendas or that are again curated for, for each different meeting type, such that those meetings do start to begin to have some kind of uh, some kind of more coherent structure than they did before. And again, if you can't write a clear to your point, if you can't write a clear purpose or a goal, uh, and and you don't have an agenda, it's it's why are, why are we having this meeting? Uh, it's it's it, it's somewhat it's somewhat of a self fulfilling prophecy. And I would also say, Brad. The other, the other most important thing that we found is that meetings still by and large are dictated by the, uh, the duration of the meeting is dictated by the structure of just how we create meetings, right? What your default setting is in Outlook or Google, 30 minutes, an hour, what have you. So there's a psychological law that I'm, you've probably heard of before called Parkinson's law, which says that work will expand the amount of time you allocate it. So guess what? If you have a meeting that runs for, if you schedule a meeting for an hour, the meeting will last for an hour. If you schedule a meeting, I, I was in an executive management meeting that started at 40, it started, it had, it started 45 minutes, then it became an hour, then it became an hour and a half. No decisions were made. It was chaos. It was, it was, it was absurd that, 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 that kind of behavior can happen. And so the other thing we've built into the Chrome extension is recommended durations uh, hmm. for each meeting, meeting type, like right? Zoom, for instance, you know, we're, we're on a Zoom now, and I, I know this is a Zoom professional, so you can run it as long as you like. Uh, I think the free version of Zoom has a 40-minute cap, uh, and some people say that's a, that's a bug. But other many others are now saying in this in this state of Corona, uh, it's a feature, right? We actually want to get done what we need to get done in uh, in a shorter time period. And again, that follows along with the uh, with Parkinson's law. So it it is possible. Do you have a general sense of sort of minimum viable duration for a meeting uh, in the event space? You know what I've I learned that I could never give anybody less than five minutes. I tried to get people to say pithy things that were substantive on in three minutes. It would always extend extend to five, but people could work with five minutes. I have a lot of fifteen minute meetings. Is there some kind of general formula or principle of you know x number of people versus y over y number of minutes, or is it is that just too simplified? Uh, a way of approaching. Well, no, I, I, I wish I wish I could say it was. Uh, I wish I could say there was a a ton of uh, data driven science there. That the honest answer is we're still we're still analyzing the this this giant glob of data that we have, because depending on how many people there are, right? If it's a one on one, and hey, we're doing a one on one meeting based on what what were our sales objectives from last week, and did we accomplish them? And hey, hey, I really need help on this, you know, prospecting with this account or that account, what have you. The number of items that that uh, appear in your agenda may exceed that, you know, that magic allocation. So I think about it less as necessarily like what is is there a minimum viable time? Because that'll also be again a function of purpose, goal, 
agenda as well as number of people and what is the topic, uh, then I do think about like, don't schedule an hour meeting because hour meetings generally are almost always uh, in excess of what they actually, of the time that's actually needed. Okay. Um, although no one would ever wish the coronavirus on anyone, um, it seems to me that you suddenly had a much bigger data set because people were devolving into Zoom and because you weren't capturing face-to-face -face meetings in an office you were capturing, or were you? I mean, but it seemed like this, I, I'm curious uh, the extent to which having suddenly our lives poured into a highly trackable set of mechanisms like Zoom or BlueJeans or Google Meet or what have you, you know, what did that do to your data set? And this is sort of leading to that other question I, I was posing a, a moment ago, which is, you know, how has the planetary health crisis that we're living with among all of the other crises that we're living with, but how has coronavirus in particular accelerated uh, what your insights around meetings? Sure, great question. So, uh, so we did this analysis from uh, February through uh, through April. May will be done, and within the within the next week. But I, th I think we can use this as a pretty good pretty good data set, right? So, between February and April, uh, there was a twenty four percent increase in the number of meetings organized, wow. and a twenty seven percent increase in the number of meetings attended. Uh, hmm. Now that that makes it kind of makes sense, right? Because it's no longer, let me walk down the hall to spend some, or just, you know, let me, let me buttonhole you, Brad, with a question. It's no, I actually have to schedule everything. Uh, and so every, every meeting now must be scheduled in some way, shape or form, because you have people, I think you're working from home. I'm working from home as well. Uh, there are other commitments that we have. I have commitments to my dog. I have commitments to my four kids. I have commitments to my health and wellness. Uh, and so trying to manage that, it's everybody needs to be better caretakers of each other's time, which again, that was surprised me in a, in a bad way, but also in a good way uh, that 5% that of meetings have uh, actual agendas. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a big, like that's, if, if that's one big pain point that seems to be fairly persistent, um, it, it, is, it is that one. And I'd like to see I'd like to see us do a do a heck of a much better job uh, with that. But there are other I mean there are other observations that we've also seen too in terms of what's happened with coronavirus, right? Like, what do people do when they're on Zooms? Well, they're on their phone. They're multitasking. Uh, people are late, right? So there's the you know, we 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 developed something called basically the 550 rule, which is <laughs> people who are five minutes late, uh, or rather, the science says that if people are more than five minutes late to a meeting, it can actually kill 50% or more of the productivity within that meeting. And then think about this, when a meeting ends late, what is the knock-on effect of every other meeting that those individuals who are part of that meeting have? You can kill, a bad meeting can kill half a day uh, of, of, any, of any individual. So that's why it's so important to get meetings right. So we have a mutual friend and a previous guest on IAB there, Rashad Tabakawala. Uh, this is his book, Restoring the Soul of Business, which a uh, really delightful book. Um, and Rashad's uh, ninth chapter is you should schedule more meetings, which seems to uh, fly in the face of everything that you're saying. So I, I know you know Rashad. I think we've, uh, we've talked about the book. Do you disagree with him? Uh, so I love, I love Rashad. Um, and, uh, and, and I, what I would say from my perspective is, uh, Rashad comes from a certain set of experience 
and I love him for it. And I love the way he talks about the different meeting types. I have the book over here as well. Um, Rashad, I'm waiting for you to sign mine, by the way. Uh, but this notion, I, I, can only, I can only meet him halfway. <laughs> and what I mean by that is more meaningful meetings are a good thing. Uh, more meetings because Rashad told me to is not, I don't, I don't think the necessarily the, the, the best prime directive that, that we want to have again, because we're seeing so many other deficiencies in general meeting hygiene, right? If it were the case on average. So here's the, another, that other, that other factoid that I, that I brought to you that I said at the start of our conversation, you know, the average person, and it doesn't matter how big or how small an organization is, the average person already spends 30% of their time in meetings. And when it comes to their, their 30% of their like business hours or 30% of their lives. Well, 30% of their business hours in, in meetings. And in fact, for middle and upper management, that number can climb to 55 to 65 to 70% of their time. Now, when we add to that, we look at that. Okay. And what is the payroll cost? Of meetings, and that was that other question, right? How much did you spend on meetings last week? Well, um, if I were to tell you that a hundred-person company spent on average forty-five percent of their payroll, and then I would ask you, I would say, Brad, okay, as, as CEO of CEO of company X that has a hundred people, um, who in your company has has a has a check, has a blank check to write for four and a half million dollars that have no metrics associated with it, uh, that are just based on, well, we're just going to write four and a half million and 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 hope. Right. That's just that no, nobody would give you, I don't think any, well, few people would probably give you, maybe you, Brad, because you are a PhD, um, uh-huh. but few, few people uh-huh. otherwise would, would, would give you that kind of authority. Even the CEO probably doesn't have that kind of authority to write that, to write that kind of check. Uh, and so this is where I think that disconnect is, which is to say that not every meeting is terrible. And yes, we can see through meeting science, we can see if there is homogeneity versus heterogeneity in meetings. I think you know, part of Rashad's perspective is you do want to have perspectives. You do want to bring together many disparate potential. You have this idea of thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. And if you're still, if it's the same people speaking to each other over and over again, you're not necessarily gonna get those two different points of view to arrive at potentially a different outcome, or you're not gonna get multiple perspectives to achieve that, that, that other, um, that breakthrough idea. And so we can see that and we can help companies identify where there is homogeneity or heterogeneity and also help them improve, improve that kind of interaction as well. So I would say so, again, to, go, go, go ahead, go ahead. No, please. No, no, let's no, I, we're going to change topics. Again, I think um, meaningful meetings matter. <laughs> uh, more meetings do not. Okay. So you've got your, your, uh, your, your parrying, Rashad's uh, quantitative uh, statement with a qualitative proviso uh, or, or addendum, which I think is, is wise. Um, let me ask you to put your media strategist, media buyer, CMO hat back on. How should people who are marketing, whether it's B2C or B2B, how, how does all of this inflect differently the, the, uh, the art of capturing people's attention? Like based on what we're saying, how should advertising change? How should advertising change? Oh boy, Brad, that's that is, isn't isn't that the uh, the the age the age old question? Um, well, I, I like to think about. I'll put it this way: I, I think about meetings kind of like the the old Wanamaker uh, statement, right? You know, half of my advertising is wasted. I don't know which half. 
And in this case, you know, half of half of all meetings are wasted. We don't know which half. And that's what we're trying to at least that's what meeting science is trying to trying to help companies companies solve for um, on the on the advertising side. I, I think it I think it comes down to you know, what what is the what is the age old purpose of advertising? Right. Inform, persuade, remind, engage, react. Uh, we have an opportunity. Every advertiser has an opportunity to be thinking about the this very intimate screen that well they, they actually don't have this opportunity to have this intimate screen connection that you and I have because um, because this screen is now replaced the screens that other people otherwise might be might be distracted with uh, so I think it's the it's the it's it's uh, I want to say it's I think it was Jeff Ramsey who talked about this uh, a number of years ago in terms of being the uh, this attention economy. What mm -hmm. can you do within that? What can you do within eight seconds of time? Um, because that's really is that really is the amount of time you have. And, and look, the IAB did this years and years ago. I mean, going going back you know decades ago now in terms of how much attention we have. Where do you put the logo? Are you going to be able to capture people's attention within within eight to eight and a half seconds or not? Um, so I think mo most of it, Brad. I don't think fundamentally a lot of it's changed. The only thing that's changed is that people like us, really everybody around the world has even less time for engaged, um, engaged consideration because we have too many distractions. We have more distractions at home than we've ever had before. So I think that's really the big struggle. The struggle that advertisers, um, that advertisers will have today is trying to break through just as like, just like my son is creeping into the room right now. I had this very, this very uh, wonderful experience of, uh, of attention with you. And now my attention is being dragged away by my two sons now that are trying to that are trying to move that are trying to move each other from from room to room. Well, we will let you get back to them in just a moment. Uh, I just want to follow up with one thing. You said currently Meeting Science is working with Google, and it sounded to me like you're rolling out uh, Outlook capability for Microsoft Shops shortly. Is that something that's happening relatively soon, late by Labor Day? Like when when should people who are Outlook Shops be able to reach out to you? Uh, Outlook Shops will be it'll be available by uh, by Labor Day as as, a, as an outlier, and we hope to have it we hope to have it ready uh, ready sooner. But I think to your point, Brad, you know the, the the big thing I would say there is that company perspective on meetings, cost, value, and impact. It's like that. That's really the my my hope is that if everyone can really think about how how much they are caretakers of each other's time or not, and be really be start to think about putting some data and some science behind that. Instead of putting instead of putting anecdotes and opinion behind it, then we're going to be in a much better place. It's the same way the IAB has done this for years, right? And for, literally for decades, has been trying to has been trying to create research. Hey guys, has been it's okay. It's been trying to create trying to create research around uh, what is the what is the what is effective, efficient, and optimal advertising. Now we're thinking about it from that perspective of what is the way to provide effective, efficient, and, op and optimized meetings. And I also just want to say I, I really respect the generosity of the way that you've phrased this, which is if we can think of ourselves as caretakers of each other's time, uh, that I think that's the right the right stance to go into this with. Um, Eric, I hope you enjoy your time with your sons. Eric Porez, CEO and founder of Meeting Science, thank you so much for joining us on Ivy. There, I look forward to catching up with you soon. So. Brad, thank you so much. All right. All right, let's talk about, uh, thank you again, Eric. Let's talk about tomorrow. We have uh, an exciting new front 
preview tomorrow. Uh, we're going to give you not only a sense of why you should be excited about new fronts, but also what to expect. It is uh, starting on Monday. It is the first time that the Ivy's new fronts are going to be virtual starting uh, at noon Eastern time on Monday, June 22nd. Uh, to request an invite, uh, please go to iab.com slash newfronts. And we're going to have a video giving you some really important information immediately after I do the credits right here. Uh, on tomorrow's IAB Their Show, it will be our special New Fronts preview. We're going to have the co-founders of Brandverge, Lynn Brown and Molly Kehoe. We'll also have Content Inc.'s president and founder, John McCarris, and our own president, IAB's president, David Cohen, joining me to talk about what we can look forward to. IAB There is a production of the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Our show today was produced by Connor Healy, Joe Ons, John Ward, and Tufika Mahinadin. I'm Brad Behrens, Editor-in-Chief here at the IAB. Thank you so much for watching. Stay tuned for the video when I'm done and come back tomorrow because you know if it's 2 p.m. Eastern on a weekday, it's time to IAB There. Thank you so much, everybody. Watch the video. opportunity for all of our clients to come together and get to see uh, the showcase of all the great content that's available from our uh, largest digital partners. We like to learn what the partners are doing in the digital space. We like to understand what's new, how is the content platforms changing and evolving with the rapid fire digital space.